Welcome to the Gem Revealed podcast, where together we discover your soulmate. This is a weekly series of powerful conversations with expert speakers, thought leaders, and relationship coaches talking through the victories and villains that weave their way into our most significant relationships. Please join me, Janine Moniz, founder of Gem Revealed Matchmaking, to learn the raw truth regarding the pitfalls and plateaus of dating in today's society. We will have open and transparent conversations surrounding the staggering facts that one out of every two marriages fail. Let's stop this insanity and learn how to date smarter. Learn how a healthy relationship starts with you. What do you need to do differently to build the right foundation for your relationship? Hello, Gem Revealed listeners. It is another pleasurable week to have you stop by and listen to the Gem Revealed weekly podcast, Self Mastery to Soulmate. My commitment always is to bring absolute value that could be transformative to your life and to your relationships. And I love bringing guests like I have this week with me. He has a topic that I have said in the past I'm quite curious about because it's something um, that you know I could see showing up in my life and I want to really think about this, ponder it, chew on it a little bit and see how I can transform. And I love keeping a growth mindset myself. I love knowing that there is always more to learn. So I hope that you are as intrigued as I am. I'm gonna introduce Mr. Barry Selby, better known as the Love Doctor. I already like that name. I can't wait to hear about how we got that that nickname. But then another, um, maybe a tagline, which I've heard, I'm I'm a little curious about myself, would be the passionate champion for the divine feminine. Hello. Barry, how are you? Why don't you clue us in on a couple of those taglines? <laughs> Hi, Janine. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be able to play and dance and talk about this stuff with you. So, so which one do you want to start with? <laughs> I, I, I like it all. I think the love doctor okay. is a little, it's a little spicy. I'd love to hear that. Um, first, I do want to thank you for coming on. I love this topic that we're about to dive into. And before we get to the topic, I do want to hear about the love doctor. I want to hear your why a little bit about what gives you some validation to sit there and talk about love with us feminine, feminine ladies. <laughs> okay. So you want some proof, do you? <laughs> I like yes. this little straightforward. Hit us with some masculine yeah. energy right there, the proof. Right. <laughs> Don't need money. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I might go back to that movie quote in a minute, so we'll talk about <laughs> that as well. Um, I've been I've been known by, by the, as the love doctor by my clients mostly and by my friends because I've been all about love and relationships for many, many years. Actually, I've been a coach talking about this specifically for at least 13 years. And it was just because I always come back to love. That's been my sort of my touchstone. I would, that's probably, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Love for me is my touchstone. It's that place I come back to because ultimately nothing else works as well as love. And so when I help my clients remember that, especially when they start to love themselves, because really my true passion is helping people fall in love with who they are so they can be a better person to love somebody else. The love doctor became my, my de facto title. I like it. I, you know, I, I love that people refer to you as that, but really the 
the gem in there for me was hearing you say that in order to love others, the first step is really loving yourself. So Absolutely. understanding that, what, what does that actually even mean? Like, what is love? How do you love yourself? Um, I think that is just, <laughs> it's such a topic. It's such a big abyss. So I mm -hmm. am looking forward to, to really hearing some of your thoughts on that. So I might just even throw out before you are going to go down your own journey, um, love. If, if you were going to say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the love doctor, I talk about love. For you, what does that even mean? Ooh, we're going to go there. Okay. <laughs> so for me, what we forget to do for most of us, we, are, we have been trained to live in a codependent culture. So we keep putting love outside ourselves. So that we'll feel love when somebody loves us. We don't feel love when we're alone. In fact, for many people, they are in the place that they're waiting for love to show up. You know, one day my prince will come, that sort of idea. Or to quote um, the other quote from Jeremy Maguire, which you dropped about serving the money, is you complete me, which is the most direct, blunt, clear description of codependency I've ever heard. Because none of us are incomplete. Sorry, I, jumping in. So, and my mouth is going dry because I feel like that is all I hear is everybody is looking for that person. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but until you understand, you know, how to love yourself and feel so good about yourself and have this life of abundance that you're excited about, you know, I, in fact, I think it was on our social media platform today. I think that's our, that is absolutely today what our social media platform post is all about is that you cannot love someone else until your life is really feeling somewhat fulfilled. So I love that you're saying that. Wow, what alignment. Well, yeah, thank you. And, and the thing, and that's the thing is that, is that somehow there's something wrong with that. There's, there are a lot of people have this belief, of maybe, or unless it's just me, that loving myself somehow will be selfish. Well, it is in the best way possible. But the culture we live in, there is certain some rules about if you become so self-centered and egotistical, that's bad. Well, depending on which part of the country you live in, because some people think it's good. But the reality, the reality though, is that it isn't self-centered from an egotistical place. It's self-centered from a holistic place. Meaning that when we start to take care of ourselves to the best we can, then we're able to take care of somebody else without basically um, becoming a martyr or a, um, a used up well, not being used up here, I've been trying to think of another, another acronym, it didn't work. And so for me, the work I've done with my clients is that self-love first. And it really isn't just about, okay, I love myself. You know, how do, how do we how do love myself? That's great. It's a wonderful place to start. However, part of the work of self-love is to start um, pulling out the thorns and the nails of stuff we stuck in ourselves where we wouldn't love ourselves, where we judge ourselves, blame ourselves, feel shame, feel resentment, feel guilt. Um, we don't trust ourselves. We don't feel worthy. All that stuff we put on top of ourselves because life throws us opportunities, lessons, what you want to call them, that we then feel like somehow we're not worthy of love. And that's where we get into trouble because we then think, well, unless somebody loves me, I won't feel worthy. And that whole spiral is, a, is such a trap people fall into because there's this almost a choice point that basically you have to feel unworthy, we have to be very ego-driven to survive. And that was my dichotomy many years ago. And what I learned through, thankfully, a lot of different teachers and trainings was that really the, the quality of my life, the quality of my loving is really up to me. And that loving myself is the best thing I do for myself and nothing to do with ego. Yeah. You know, 
I, I heard what you said about, you know, a lot of people aren't feeling worthy of love and we have all these, you know, past tribulations that we're trying to cope with and looking for mm -hmm. somebody to make us feel better. But the reality is until all that stuff is unearthed and worked through, as soon as you meet somebody and all that stuff's in there, that's going to show up anyway inside of that relationship and cause havoc anyway. So you're jumping like, ahead. You're, you're jumping ahead of me. Yes, exactly. Oh, all right. I, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking. Yes. Okay. Move along then. I love I love where you're going because it's so true. And I love hearing it from a gentleman. You know, I love as you're saying it and you're saying it with such a tender, compassionate heart, but it's so important. And, you know, I, I would speak so many of my clients, again, being female, this is an all too often story. So I really I'm interested in more of what you have to say. Well, thank you. Um, Back many, many years ago, when I first started doing personal growth work in the first seminar I took, they, they would have some guidelines. They would, or should say, ground rules, excuse me, not guidelines. The ground rules were the fundamentals about how you're supposed to live life. And one of those ground rules that they said back then, I thought I got it right away. It's like, oh, it's so easy. I understand it. It took me years to really get to the depth of what it really meant. And the ground rule basically said, is take care of yourself first so you can then take care of others. I didn't have that wiring when I first took the seminar. I was the other way around. I would basically take care of other people. And then if there was time, I would take care of myself. Do you think well, most people even know what it means to take care of themselves though? Because I strongly suspect not, no. Correct, because it could be okay. So you need coaching, but then, you know, to, to get rid of some of these limiting beliefs. But then what about even building a life of abundance? So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think most people have a clue of how to go about doing that or what that looks like. Right. On a daily basis or a mindset. Well, one of the things that I'm aware of, and it's, it's different, it may be different now, big, <coughs> excuse me, it may be different now because of the restrictions we've had over the last year with everything that's been going on. But back in the, the normal days, so to speak, when we we're busy running that's around doing everything we're doing, right, we would do so much stuff, we sometimes burn ourselves out. And I'm being non gender based because both sides of the coin have this thing going on. Well, gay or straight, make a difference. What happens is though we're so busy either trying to accomplish or trying to prove or trying to do something out of the world, it's all try, 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 which of course, you know, yoga has a whole thing about, is understanding that we are attempting to accomplish something so that we somehow feel we've succeeded or that we are worthy or that we have made it happen the way we wanted to. And the thing about taking care of ourselves is oftentimes taking care of ourselves means saying no to things that we think we should do. It's actually letting go of some of those internal pressures we keep putting on ourselves to keep accomplishing and making things happen and getting things done. And taking care of yourself can be, you know, I need to sit still and meditate, or I need to have a beer and watch TV, or I need to go dancing, or do something that is totally for me so I can be more effective in the world. And so this understanding about taking care of ourselves first is a way to almost, I won't say modest is the wrong word, but almost to be a, a guardian of our own self-value and our self-comfort. So it can be more effective. So if, if, a, if a client said to you, Barry, what does that even mean? I have to take care of myself. What's something tangible that our listener can hear that helps that make, like, make sense to them? What is something real tangible that I could say, Janine could do this in effort to take care of herself? <laughs> well, let me speak to something very mundane and mechanical. Um, watch how many agreements you make during the day. Oh, I like that. Especially, well, <laughs> well let, me, let me break it out a bit more. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's one of the things I learned, many, again, many years ago, thankfully, and I'm still learning, is that 
our ability to trust ourselves is actually based upon how well we keep our agreements. Because agreement keeping is a proof, um, a method of proof that we can trust ourselves. Like if you keep your word, I can trust that. That's the wiring. So what happens is though, we have a bad habit of saying yes to things, either internally or externally, that we don't actually do. So we tend to overcommit sometimes, or we do things. And one of the things I've noticed is one of the bad habits we have is we'll just say, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and get some healthy stuff for dinner. But then you get home and you don't feel like going shopping and then you end up making some, something less healthy, for example. I mean, it's that, it's that simple. It's not bad. It's just the fact that you've got to be aware that you're not keeping your agreements. So the thing is, there are, there are four, is it five? I have remember now, keys to keeping agreements in a better way. One of which is, is you've got to be willing to write down or document or put in your calendar things you're going to do. So that way, one, you become aware of what you've said yes to. Because first we might go, there's no way I can do all of that. But now it's in front of you, you can see that make a choice because for many of us, we keep making agreements and running through the day, we end up running out of day before we, you know, we run out of time before we run out of things to do. Right, so you're, you're saying create a daily checklist. That's one thing, yes, first thing. Second thing is, is to actually make less agreements. Like to actually clearly go, you know what, I'm taking that one off and that one off and that one off because I can't do those today, I know I can't. I need to take care of myself. So I'll put the agreements tomorrow, whatever that is. So when you start putting up tasks and reminders <clears throat> and appointments, set up your day so it works for you. You know, like for example, with coaching clients, I have a setup where I don't have clients back to back to back because I need time for myself. So I have a gap between every single client. That is, sometimes I look at it and go, that's too much time. I go, no, I know I need to reset myself so I can better serve my clients. So I'm in agreement that I don't overcommit that way. So that was the second one, make less agreements. Third one is also, if you have agreements with other people, especially, if you feel like it's going to be overwhelming, renegotiate. Ask them if you can move it, change it. Because some people go, I can't change it now. I've already said yes. Like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we can renegotiate the other person. That can change things too. The other one, which I think is one of the most powerful things, is learn how to say no. Some of us have been trained that you can never say no because that makes you look bad. Always say yes, you've got to say yes, say yes, which is why we get overwhelmed and overcommit to things. When we learn to say no, that's actually an act of self-care. So the act of saying no is a powerful tool to use because when you say no, it's not, there's no judgment in that. It's just simply saying no. Now, the other person may be upset. That's not up to you to worry about. That's a whole other conversation about taking other people's emotions. But when you say no, it gives you space to say, I choose to do this instead. Right. You know, there's so much wisdom in, in what you're saying. And when you're, when you're really thinking about these things, and this is an area that I, I, I really am passionate about is that to do list and your yes and your no should always be a subset of that greater story. So whatever that vision is for your day, for your life, you know, for the next three months, you have to have that vision and then funnel it down to create that that to-do list, that daily task list. And if you're putting things on that task list, it really should be a representation of pushing you towards that greater vision. Otherwise, really, you really should be thinking whether or not you should say yes or no to this. So you're being intentional. I do love that. I really love yeah. that. Now, one of the side effects of keeping agreements and getting agreements that are manageable and you can actually do everything you say you're gonna do, you start, as I said earlier, is you start to learn to trust yourself more. Because you can then count on your word being valuable. And when that starts happening as an automatic response, 
your self-esteem rises automatically. And so does your self-confidence. Do you know that in all my years, I have never heard that term that you can begin to trust yourself from a leadership mm -hmm. standpoint or a place of self-love, self-care. You know, I, I've never really heard that, but I can see what I'm sensing. What you're saying is the more that you keep in your own word, you're going to start building your own self-esteem, your yes. self-worth. That's very interesting. I've never really, I've never seen it placed inside, you know, that bubble before. I like that. I like that a lot. Boy, you're very welcome. I, I might use that. That's a really good one. Please, please, please one. do. We didn't even get to the meat of uh, masculine and feminine energy yet, but I love I this topic and I could get so engrossed here, but I do love it. So the first thing you're saying is we really do need to begin to learn self-care, take care of ourselves. That does yes. not mean that you're being the martyr. That doesn't mean that you're being arrogant. It means that in order to really take care of someone else, you need to put the oxygen mask first on yourself. Exactly. Like model, that old yes. adage tells us, yep. sure, if you're in that plane, that oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first, self-care. So um, how does that play off? Like, how does this weave our way into this big topic of masculine and feminine energy? <laughs> and I know that, you know, that topic alone is so big. So we'll probably have to right. go 50,000 feet up and you'll leave us, you know, dangling some, somehow <laughs> to want right. more. But the reason why I would just, I'll, I'll just share it. And I wonder if other women might feel some of the same. You know, I'm a single mom, um, you know, I've been alone for quite some time, been out in the, 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 the world fighting to stay up at the top for a, you know, a long time. So because I'm alone, because I'm taking care of myself, because I'm running my family, because I'm out in business, because I am, you know, working at that pace, that masculine energy has been, um, it's been crafted and molded inside of me to show up. And I've often wondered if it's, you know, if it's balanced. Is it balanced uh, yeah. when to use it appropriately? And I wonder how many uh, other women out there that are listening that might often say, hmm, I wonder, I wonder. So when we're so used to taking care of ourselves. Right. So let me let me dispel the wonder. Yes, you are doing more masculine that way. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. How, 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 <laughs> Goodbye. How, how... <laughs> I don't even know if that, so I don't even know enough to know is that good is it bad is it out of balance what are the like what's the cause and effect so right. that's where i'm really i'm just i love the curiosity around it so the answer to that is it depends <laughs> so let me explain a bit so you understand from the perspective so first of all masculine and feminine are energetic polarities that we carry and we carry both inside of us regardless of your gender regardless of sexual preference we carry masculine and feminine energy we tend to be leaning towards one end or, or the other end of the spectrum so we may be more masculine naturally and more feminine naturally now, generally speaking, this is very generalized, is men tend towards the masculine in the spectrum and women generally go towards the feminine in the spectrum. However, there are people on the other end of the spectrum, they flip, and there are certain people who are actually neutral on that, where basically they're pretty much androgynous, they don't have any polarity either way. So ladies, especially when you're a single mom and you've been working and everything you're doing, you're embodying the masculine way of doing things because that's the end of the spectrum you chose to be in to function in the world to get things done. Because the masculine is goal-oriented, task-oriented, directional, focused, laser-guided, laser like single focus to a goal. Get it done, completion. That's what masculine lives for. Can, can I share a thought? And, and I, I want to make sure this is really important because what's hitting me, so I'm, just, I'm being like a listener right now. I'm totally a listener. So what's, mm -hmm. what's welling up in me 
it's probably my masculine energy. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But what's happening is this, I, I guess it's very important to also recognize it, it must not have anything to do with core values. Because from a place mm. of like, I'm going to say this, like, for instance, like women's lib, or like, I couldn't be any further away. Like, I couldn't be more old school, traditional, family, mm -hmm. husband, hierarchy, you know, submissiveness. I think that's beautiful. I'm all about the little house on the prairie. So <laughs> I just, I guess I, I have to make sure for listeners, it's not the same as core values. That's the main point that I mm -hmm. want to really understand. Yeah, it is. The masculine family expression is really how you express and how you function in the world. And it may align with core values. It may not. It's not, not tied to it. Although what I've discovered with my clients, a lot of my clients, because most of my clients are women. I work, I work with women because, frankly, it's, it's part of my core mission, which is to transform the planet by having more women in leadership and in their feminine heart. Again, another topic, another time. But, but what I want to speak to is the challenge for women, who, especially who are solopreneurs or who have been out in the business world because they're single um, or divorced or um, you know, just being a single parent is remember how to get back to your feminine. And I'll give you some keys on that in a moment. But I want to speak to one thing. You said something about women's liberation movement. I have a thing about now I grew up in England and we had women's liberation, sexual revolution. Um, there was the feminist movement. But unfortunately, what happened was my belief is the feminist movement went too far over to the far side, which meant was basically the men, women became more um, almost more masculine in their expression but not in a healthy way. And so the way I say it is the business world was created by men for men. Then women try to fit into that and try to copy and do the same thing. And back in the sixties, when back in England, Twiggy was the most famous model of all. Twiggy was this flat chested, flat makeup, broad shouldered business suit she would wear for her modeling stuff. She didn't wear flowing gowns and stuff. So she was basically embodied. <laughs> right, she looked like a guy. She had haircut, short, all that stuff. And so, and it's funny, I dated a girl like that. So it was interesting. Even though the sex was great, she, she presented energetically, presented physically, almost like she could almost be a, a guy. Like it, was, it was really weird, but it was like, it was, anyway, there's another story for another time. Again, plenty of stories for other times. So the thing was, is that really women have had to fit into a mold they weren't built for. And so the idea of how to disengage from that, especially when you come home, and this is the thing, is remembering how to get back to your feminine, which is sometimes women forget to do that because there's so many hours a day they spend getting things done, making things happen, being in their masculine. So they may forget how to get back to the feminine or even forget to have a feminine because they've been so busy doing it. Right. So the key point from what I was trying to say is masculine and feminine energy have zero to do with a core value system. Like yes. again, using yes. myself as an example, I can tend to float into a masculine energy. I might be maybe hardwired that way in some areas, but it has nothing to do with my core values because of myself, I couldn't be more traditional conservative and right. love the fact that a woman could be submissive to her husband. All that to say, what I would love to really hear is tell us an example. Like, what are examples of we're just using these terms, masculine energy, female energy? What does that even mean? What are examples, tangible okay. thoughts for a woman or a male to be listening right now going? And, and especially for even, I would say, even more for a man, if he were to say he would be, he would need to have some feminine energy and what on earth for? Some men might be like, dude, that's, <laughs> no, no. I, you know, that is okay. not what I'm about. So tell us what that means. So, so we're not thinking that it's about sexuality. We're not thinking about core values. Let's make it so clear so people understand the, it. 
Got it. So first of all, let, let me just take one sidebar slightly, which is I want to separate masculinity from machoism because there's a lot of conflict with that. And people are talking about toxic masculinity, which I hate hearing that term because for me, there's nothing toxic about masculinity. There is, however, toxicity around machoism. And so I think the words got put together the wrong way. Machoism, so to speak, is really from the neck up. It's ego-driven, mental focus, domination, win at, win at whatever cost, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw you to get what I want. That's the macho at its worst example. Masculinity is a man's, again, usually embodying a man, but women can have it too, is having a clear direction of focus with a goal orientation to get things done, make things happen, and ultimately to contribute to the world outside. So it's making a difference out there more than internally. The masculine is about contribution in that sense. The right. feminine, and again, these are independent of gender and independent of core values. The feminine is about gathering. Right? The masculine is about getting, going through almost penetrative energy, which is the traditional way of saying it, to get things done, to achieve the goal, to hunt and to get the kill, the target orientation. I the love feminine, the way you're explaining this, by the way. Well, I have some great teachers, and I'll share the names afterwards if it comes, it comes up for that. But the feminine is, is the energy of gathering in, of bringing in, and also of collaborating. One of the gifts of the feminine is to network and connect because internally that's the way the feminine's wired it's all interconnected and so understanding that a woman a feminine is more powerful because she has her sisters and her brothers together she brings them together she creates an army of love so to speak or a group of support women i mean this happens back in the second world war in england have another place too women would actually be the ones that would network and connect and make sure everybody was safe so they would protect everybody and be fiercely protective too, by the way. So the energy of the feminine is not weaker than masculine by any stretch of the imagination, it's just different. In some ways, men are stronger because we can laser focus and get things done. However, we are singular focus. We don't focus on our things very well, whereas the feminine can keep an eye on everything. So what happens is when the men go hunting, we can look at the prey, but we may not notice that we may be prey to something else. Whereas the feminine can keep an eye on everything. So the, one of the gifts of the feminine is having the ability to protect and see over everything that's going on, which is one of the strengths. And in the, the way, I, way I describe it, the way my teacher described it, is that in some ways you describe the energy of the masculine and feminine. Is feminine is like a very big river running through, the, through that down the mountainside, massive torrent of water running through. The masculine is the banks of the river that creates structure, a framing that allows the river to flow in a way that works. The feminine, however, like the river can burst the banks of the river anytime. If the river got stronger or the river overflowed, it overflowed the banks. Well, the feminine's power can override the masculine. So the masculine may be strong, may be tough, may be directional, may be focused, but it isn't any stronger than the feminine. And women have unfortunately been told that so many times they believe that they are weaker than the masculine and they're not. They're just there to really coincide together to to, to create a, a, a more hormone or more harmonious picture. It's, it's complimentary. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Really, that was really well said. So again, only to say that men, when in a relationship, and, and we might need to be start concluding after this topic, but in mm -hmm. a relationship, in a relationship, how is it like, what do women need to know in order to really master relationships when it comes to really monitoring their, their feminine and masculine energy and what do men need to know? This is like two minute answer, let's see. Or <laughs> you rephrase the question if needed, but it's well, like, no, how I'm do just, they I'm show just, up? Yeah. How, how do they show up? How, do, how does it cause chaos? Um, 
traditionally speaking, the, the, the old-fashioned the old values where the man courts the woman is something that really epitomizes the masculine feminine. The feminine is receptive, the masculine is projective. The masculine is chasing, the woman's being is receiving that. That's the energy that works in traditional romance, so to speak. However, back in traditional days, and this is for, this is to, to save the men from suffering this way, is that back in the traditional days, back in Victorian times, back in the Wild West, when a woman found a guy who was pursuing her, who she was interested in, she would drop her handkerchief for him. Drop the hanky. Right, and he would pick it up. That was her way of saying, I like you, let's see where this goes sort of thing. And the challenges for us men is that we don't, we're not necessarily as in, in tune or sensitive, that's a feminine gift, to realize when she likes us or not. So some of us men are not as comfortable talking to women because frankly, we're worried about being rejected. Now rejection is an interesting thing as well, but the truth is for us men, it's almost like if there was a way that women would let the guy know, it's okay to take another step, not to, not to take advantage of, but take another step in the journey, then he would feel safer doing so. So what I hear you saying, and it's really critically important, especially for female listeners, is drop the hanky, do something within this, <laughs> this current landscape, the way that we're in in this society and our culture, do something that's a representation of dropping the hanky so these gentlemen absolutely know that it's safe to take a, a risk, right? Is that That's what you're saying? Yeah, basically let him know you like him in a way. Doesn't it be blatant? Although it might be blatant for some guys, we need to be be told blatantly so we know it's okay. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. So um, it's a big topic. This is a big topic. I have a thousand questions. I know. (laughs) Yes, I I think there's, it's absolutely beautiful for that old fashioned drop the hanky type of mentality. But does that totally let the gentleman off the hook of taking the first step Right. So what's, you know, what's the dichotomy here? So, you know, just from an old fashioned standpoint, that man is the pursuer. He's the hunter. He's the, yes. you know, he's the one who should really take that step forward. Is, is, are you saying that we've got to a point in society that, you know, men have taken a step backwards that unless that hanky is dropped, we're, you know, we're, we're all doomed. It, it rests on the, the, the shoulders of a female, or are you saying, you know, if he makes the, <laughs> if he makes the advance, you know, at least bat your eyelashes. <laughs> what are we talking here? Help me, help it's... me out. <laughs> well, first Super of all, this is definitely this... talking right now. I understand. <laughs> first of all, this is a dance. It's not. There's not rules about this. It must be one way or the other. I'm just. I, like I was suggesting as an added bonus or as an opportunity to understand for the women to know, for us men that we're, we are facing the demon of, of rejection, so to speak. It's like we, we basically have to risk every time. And so for some men, they have been wounded so many times because a woman said no or didn't like him and he had his hopes up and got dashed. That's one option. In another case, men don't care. They just go after the next woman, the next woman, the next one. I mean, it's target practice. So there's a whole range of how men and women approach each other. I, I personally feel that for that when I'm... Let's be see something personal. You're a single woman, single man, as I'm speaking. If I'm looking to meet somebody, it would be nice if I knew that they liked me back enough for that I want to go further. Because I've definitely pursued more than enough women that were like, nope. And and oftentimes I can catch that just in time. I've done enough work on this to realize that. But oftentimes I don't know until I'm like, oh man, I was hoping that was the one. So it really, from what, again, what I'm sensing that you're saying is it comes down to some emotional EQ as well. So if a gentleman is speaking to you and that conversation is lasting and it's more questions, 
you know, you really have to monitor as the female, is this somebody like, I do want to bat my lashes or, you know, spend a little <laughs> bit more time and maybe add in some more complimentary things and be bold enough to say maybe not, I'll, I'll use the word flirty in a fun way without being too um, yeah. colorful there. So that's what, it, that's what I sense that you're saying is making sure there's yeah. emotional IQ and even more so if on one side or the other, that person is not responding, that's a really good interpretation that not to keep going forward. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so simple. And yet in, in the dating arena, I mean, there are people who teach this only, that's their speciality, it's not mine, but their speciality where here's the dating cues, you know, you touch his arm, you do this, you flip your hair, or he does this, and there's all these different things. That's a lot of rules out there, which I'm not a big fan of rules anyway. But I do understand the energetics of approach and being received. Because again, you know, a, a man can, and after what happened a few years ago with the Me Too movement, a lot of men have been really sort of shut down because we're afraid of how to approach that being mis misconstrued or how misinterpreted. With good reason, want, with the, the chaos that this culture is in, it's good reason. Yeah. So it's important to have an honest conversation. You know, so, I mean, it can be as simple as saying, you know, if you go up to somebody like, let's buy you a drink, you know, talk. and by the way, I'm interested in you, but just so I know it's okay to pursue, are you interested in me as well? I mean, it's even that doesn't sound romantic. It's actually more, is it more honest to actually say, you know, come on, can we talk? So you know it's okay because it's it's good to know that it's safe enough that you can actually ask a woman out, or I can ask yeah. a woman out. Absolutely, I guess you and I both know that the world has so many crazy stories out there that everybody is walking around with some sort of paranoia around them in some way, shape, or form. But let's just say, wound, let's just say wounds, wounds, not paranoia. Yeah, I like wounds. That. You're, you're right, <laughs> wounds. But in the end, it still has to come down to what is that that those steps? What is that energy we're using? So, um, so what are some of the things that would be considered? Um, you know, abusive, or maybe that's too strong of a word, or misuse of uh, using you, the energies in wrong in wrong ways. I mean, I know one that has popped up in my head, um, and I, I'll just share it, and then you can go from there. So I, I know that, you know, in my previous, in my marriage, my only marriage, um, I think I did a very good job of using my masculine energy enough to actually make my husband feel less masculine so that that's what pops up into my head again that was a long time ago by the way I said <laughs> lots, <I understand>. lots <laughs> learned in you know those 15 years but that's what pops up in my head is you know how could feminine energy have been used to really communicate without like what you were saying without this form and structure and you know direct linear yeah. thinking how could it have been a little bit more free-flowing through it and been less well, uh, emasculating this is the thing that we have this interesting dichotomy as i said earlier about how the power of the feminine is bigger than more powerful than the masculine is is that women have not always understood their power at the same time again because the business world made women more masculine to do things more like men did and I went through three relationships like that, where I was basically the man with a masculine woman. It wasn't easy. In fact, that was what put me on this path of learning and teaching ever since. The, the, the power of women is they can adapt easily to masculine and feminine ways of being, more so than men can. Yes, we can be even more in a feminine at certain times. But it's not as easy for us to switch into that as it's for women to switch into their masculine, just because women have more fluidity that way, more, more ability to do, dance and move and, and create. And the thing is, is that women, it's, it's almost like the, um, I was using an analogy that came up, but it just it slipped by. 
ladies have a gift of invitation. It's like when you can invite a man to do something, so much better than telling him to do something. Like that simple switch can be such a difference in a relationship or any sort of connection. Because when a woman, especially if she asks a man to get some help because she wants something done or she can't do it herself, a man's generally interested in saying yes to it because he loves to be able to serve that way. But when you tell him to do something, but especially in a in close relationship, because it's like it's been going for a while and you get demanding of your husband or your partner, he's going to feel resentful. It's like, we like to be able to come home and be the hero and make a difference. So when you invite us to be the hero, it's like no brainer. But when you tell us to do something, we're no longer the hero, we're the dish rag. Got it. I, I know I've heard often women really want to be loved and uh, nurtured where a man really needs respect. So how do we tap into that respect um, versus really throwing him, throwing him around and making exactly person feel like that dish rack? So these yeah. are great. So would there be any one, two or three steps, whatever, you know, whether it's just one major thought, what's an action step? Like how, what's a takeaway from here? What, what should a female or a male listener uh, be taking away? Like, what is the one thing you would say, listen, think about this to help you in this journey of utilizing your energy effectively? <laughs> one thing. <laughs> Maybe it's, well, actually, okay, Maybe it's no. one thing, take a step to research well, this, but what, the, what the, would the, you tell the simplest, The simplest way I'd start it with is quote Shakespeare's, do that own self be true. Meaning that, for men, and I said at the beginning, how men are generally more masculine, not all, but generally more masculine, and women are generally more feminine at their natural core. So I recommend, depending on your gender and what your natural proclivity or natural tendency is, is to do things that reinforce that. So for men, because we are more generally more physical beings, if we want to get back to masculinity, do things that are more masculine-based. So when we meditate, sit still. Women shouldn't do that, by the way. Be present. Um, have more time to be at peace and be silent because we are more powerful in our presencing of being quiet and in our depth. That's one of the masculine strengths. Go do competitive sports because that competitive, competitive sport sharpens, it hones the edge of our masculinity. It's a good thing to do. Um, do physical things, going like do, you know, play sports, go running or chopping wood, do things that are really grand us in our bodies. That's a masculine practice. For women, do things that are more nurturing to bring the femininity forward, which can be in terms of, Meditation, do things like yoga and dance because for feminine, that is the expression of your meditation is to do movement. Um, if you, for women, also another thing for women being the feminine is to talk things out, but don't talk to the man as much. Talk to other women. <laughs> You're, You're being like, paid to say that. <laughs> you don't even talk to the man. He's not listening anyway. I got it. <laughs> In terms of restoring yourselves back to a balance, you can definitely you can definitely talk to a man, but make make sure you set up time for this. The best thing you do for a man, by the way, if you want to talk to him, is ask him to set up a time and schedule it with him. Don't just do it into his face because he's not necessarily as able to do that naturally. You may need time to prepare for it. This was the price of admission right there. Ladies, if you're <laughs> listening, this was it. Just listen to that, that spot and you'll improve your relationship at least by 50%. Hey, I'll do what I can to help. <laughs> yes, all right. Um, so I love that. So really what I heard you just say really beautifully as well as gentlemen if you really want to make sure that you're grounding yourself do all these things that you mentioned but women who may even more so struggle with rising up in your masculinity do things to intentionally 
ground yourself in more feminine act activities to really yeah. make sure that you're connected to it. And I can, I can really see that. I, I can, as my, for my own self, I can see how that would be um, a gift. I would see how that would be a gift. Um, Barry, this is, I, I mean, I could probably stay on for another hour and each topic and dive into it and, and really explore. Um, but for time's sake, if people are really interested in this topic and they want to get in touch with you or um, mm -hmm. is there, tell, just tell us a way to either get in touch with you or do you have any programs or anything that you're doing for any of our listeners who want to really understand a little bit more on this topic? Um, let's think. Well, two places I recommend going. One is my website, which is my name, barryselby.com. I have my, my best-selling books on there. Um, I have Thinking About Codependence on there. I have my, a lot of ongoing on support, and you can also set up a chat with me if you want to have a conversation privately. The other thing is my YouTube channel. I've actually put a lot of my old Facebook Live talks and, and my web shows that I do on my YouTube channel, which also is my name, so youtube.com slash Barry Selby. And you can, there's, a, there's a series of talks called Messages from the Masculine to Inspire the Feminine Heart. There's a thousand talks there, which keep you busy for days. <laughs> so <laughs> a thousand talks. Wow. Okay. So you're yes. a busy guy. Got it. I said for three years. So yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so I can't tell you how much uh, this was just such a pleasure. It was fun. It was engaging. It was interesting uh, for me. I'm sure it was for our Gem Reveal listeners as well. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you for sharing your time, your wisdom, your insight. And uh, I think there was enough here to go, to, like, go for a part two. <laughs> there's there's definitely enough for part two, but we will, um, we'll, we'll come back to that. But thank you again, and I hope you have an incredible day. Thank you for having me. Yeah, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Gem Revealed's podcast, Discover Your Soulmate. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. We really value your opinion, so please feel free to send us your question, comments, or feedback. You can email us at info at gemrevealed.com. You can also find out more about Gem Revealed services by visiting gemrevealed.com. I'll see you next time as we discover your soulmate.